Okay, that's now recording. And could you just start by saying your name? I'm Shirley Carter. That's lovely. Um, so tell me, Shirley, it, it was relatively unusual for women to go into computing. So what was it about your upbringing and education that led you in that direction? Uh, my parents were very supportive of uh, further education. They themselves had both left school uh, 14, 15, um, but they were obviously very capable people. Mum ultimately became a nurse and my father in the civil service. Um, but they used to take us travelling and doing all sorts of things as children, so they were very keen on us making the most of, my sister and I, making the most of our, our lives. So they supported me. So. Through school, I found maths easy. Um, I was very lucky in that respect. So um, when it came to choosing subjects to go to university, maths was an obvious one. And I had a maths master who um, who was who encouraged me to follow that. Although I and what quite kind of school was it? You were it was a high school. Yeah. I I passed the eleven plus in Leeds, um, and then Dad was in the civil service, so we were moved every few years, and um, I ended up doing um, secondary school in Kings Lynn, Kings Lynn High School, and then in um, Boston, Lincolnshire uh, High School. And actually when I did, I got three A's at A level, which is you know very, very rare then, but that was because I did uh, double maths. And if you're good at maths, it was relatively easy. And the other subject I did was zoology because I've always liked animals, the outside life and so on. My mother's background, um, family background is farming. Uh, my father's background was a cockney, so very different. Um, I, um, I took double maths and zoology, as I said, at A-level, and um, I did toy with the idea of doing architecture, but decided that the qualifications of training time was far too long for that. I just wanted to get a degree and get out in the world. So... I applied to Leeds. Okay, so you just got to your A-levels. Yes, so I um, thought about architecture and decided it would take too long. So um, applied to Leeds um, to do maths because that was the easy option and uh, ended up there in September 64. Uh, got the shock of my life because they just abstract mathematics had just started and um, we were plunged into all these matrices and curious things that I'd never had any contact with before and I felt completely out of my depth and, and really worried about it but I still managed to get a first at the end of the first term when they assess you but I was ready for giving up because I didn't like it. Anyway I stuck to it and really enjoyed my time at university got over the collie wobbles. Did, were you uh, aware of, of any computers? Were, were there any no, computers yes, around? we did um, Algol uh, programming um, in the first year, I think. So yes, I started programming when I was 18 mm. um, in 1964. Mm. Um, and, and was that usual for maths undergraduates to be taught programming? It, it, there was... Yes, in Leeds it was, because Leeds was very progressive. Yes, no, but I meant across the country. No, generally. no, 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 no. no. So. no. Uh, Leeds was very progressive. There was mm. no computing degree then. Mm. Um, they started having a combined statistics, maths, computing degree a, a couple of years later. But I didn't really know anything about computing, because once I got involved, I, 
I thought it was fascinating. I liked doing logic and, mm. and I just really enjoyed it. I'm more of a problem solver than a mathematician. Um, and so worked through, um, as I say, enjoyed um, university. Um, there were about 40 in the department um, with a few girls, surprising number of girls, who were nearly all going off to be teachers. So roughly at what the percentage end of it. do you think? Girls to boys, probably um, 30-35%. It was, yes, yeah. and mm. nearly all of them going uh, going to be teachers. Whereas my school had been a girls' school, and out of the 100 in the year um, at fifth form, there were only... Uh, three of us went to university. Um, there were probably 20 went to um, teach training college, as mm, it was mm, then. Mm. Um, so it was quite rare, uh, certainly from Boston, Lincolnshire, in the Fens. Um, girls didn't think, they didn't go on after, after school. Anyway, so I was predicted to get a first, and um, I quite fancied doing some research, and so I was offered a um, a, re a research place at Leeds um, with somebody called Roger Fletcher to do minimisation um, on computers so it was a, a sort of numerical analysis a, um, a less a more abstract w um, um, way of, uh, of um, solving problems than actual numer the numerical analysis um, it was very interesting I, I did a year um, studying for a PhD but then Roger got offered a job at Harwell he was one of the top people in the country so I was really lucky in the, the people I had around me mm. um, uh, oh no he, maybe it was after two years or after a year and a half he got this job at Harwell um, and so I applied for his lectureship and I got a lectureship at, at the age of 23 when you were still only halfway through your PhD yes yes so I by this time, I think I'd already had a visit from Brian uh, Ford from Nottingham about doing the library, and that's I started to get involved in that. So why did he pick on you? So let, yes, we need to Be unpack that a bit. Yes. Like, what were you doing? Because I was doing minimisation, which was a very relevant subject to NAG. So you were developing algorithms yes. to, to yes. that purpose? Yes, yes absolutely. Um, and there was a sort of lot of competition between Harwell doing it and... and uh, uh, Mike Fletcher at Harwell and uh, Mike oh gosh no not Fletcher it's my, Roger Fletcher and Mike come to me in a bit um, lots of competition so lots of papers and very you know really stimulating mm, mm. time um, so I got the lectureship um, and that was Roger just a straight Lecture oh, in the in no, in no, in the computer science department. It, oh, in the, so there was a computer science. Yes, department. so it had it had split off. Um, yes. It must have been when the new buildings were um, finished. The computer lab was in. Um, so I had an office in the computer lab, lab in '69. Mm, mm. um, and what computer were you using at that? Stage? The KDF9. Right. Yes. But okay. there was the. It, we were using a KDF-9 and then as the building was finished I think that was when the 1906 came in and it was bright and I think it was this there were six universities got were Is that an IBM? An no, no, no it was, it, no it was an ICL ICL, ICL yeah. yes everybody had to have ICL Yes, yes it was Manchester had oh there were CDCs at Manchester and somewhere else 
I'm not very good on this sort of detail mm -hmm. because I just got on with doing my bit and left the others others to do the politics and the organising. <laughs> um, but yes, it was um, it would have been the new building housed. But I'm sure we had the KDF nine in there. Then it then it went because I remember having um, a disc, I think, from the old KDF nine, big, huge disc three foot across you know I think that was the, from there anyway it was um, so I, I then worked for a couple of years doing that and then my previous husband not um, Bob I was known then as um, um, Hancock my previous husband um, got a he fin he was doing a PhD at Cambridge and he finished that and got a job in um, near Stanlow, um, over this side of the country in Cheshire. And so uh, I got a, moved to work at Liverpool University. Mm -hmm. uh, the prof who had been in charge of the computer laboratory at Leeds um, was really retired. He moved and did a year out uh, at Liverpool, and so I went with him. Um, did you say what year that was? Sorry. That was six that must have been, I must have done, finished my degree in 67, uh, got the lectureship in 69, I think it would have been 71, maybe I had two years, two years, yeah, so mm. moved into the, um, and did a year in the computer science department under Prof Delves at Liverpool, but I still kept, and of course the reason I was quite popular uh, to be accepted at Liverpool was because of my work with NAG. So NAG had done me a lot of service by that stage. You know, we were very much the the the. It wasn't very big then. Obviously, there were mm. just a few universities that had been involved from mm. the start. So let's let's go back and, and explore that some more. Yes. <coughs> so you said the first you knew about the idea of NAG was Brian Ford coming. Yes, he came because he'd heard that um, Roger Fletcher, who was my supervisor, who was very well known in the minimisation field, had a research student at Leeds um, who was doing minimisation and he came to visit to see if you know, we would be interested. By that time I think Roger had gone and so yes I was So what interested. did he put to you as the concept of, oh, of NAG? It was very much that we were all, all the, the six universities who got the 1906 uh, computers uh, there was no scientific package. There was nothing for the for the um, engineers to use uh, to solve their problems. Um, and so um, he was looking for people in different disciplines to write the algorithms. So it was a collaborative thing to um, make available very important tools, tools that it would have been a total waste if everybody had done their own thing. And, and they wouldn't have ended up with the best possible um, product. Yeah. So, uh, and what kind of engineering problems would have been all, applied to? All sorts of, a lot of engineering problems, they get a lot of data and they need to feed it in and they need to find the optimum way of, of doing something or they've got a set of equations and they've got to solve them and find what the what constants fit in to make things work. So. Um, N not the statistical side, purely the numerical analysis side, and it has just grown from there. Um, I think there aren't. It seems to me that it's um, it is the basic package that's available for numer for numerical work now. 
um, around the world. It's, um, to me, the important thing was I didn't want people wasting their time. Mm. Um, I've always liked people getting together and, and producing a, um, a proper solution rather than everybody wasting their time doing their individual thing. So, um, yeah, so Brian is a very good salesman um, <laughs> and um, convinced me that that was uh, worth it. So, And was there no sense at the time among the universities that that kind of information should be kept as a kind of intellectual property? I don't think there was so much because we were each of us working on our own area but providing expertise in a particular area. So um, there are lots of different aspects of numerical analysis um, and so we were each of us experts in different things so we were really progressing our own area but we had great uh, we could all discuss things with each other so actually it was collaboration on um, bringing together something very worthwhile but each of us providing expertise so in that respect no they didn't and also I think they could all see that they couldn't possibly do it all themselves and they were um, getting the benefits of great minds from other places because it was something they really had to provide because the engineers were starting to want to know how to solve their problems and didn't want to spend all their time on doing it themselves and I think probably prior to us starting NAG there might have been a big statistics library providing the analysis called so SPSS. Okay, so the idea of a library I think was out that there. was probably out there. You see, that Brian would be the person who would fill you in on the facts on this, but I think that was probably out there already, and that was, I think that was American in origin. But it was starting to be used because students want to fill in the numbers and get the answers to uh, the um, various analyses you know that they want to do so um so how did nag work in practice i mean it's a collaboration but how, what were the means of communication well we did all well we had we had obviously we had regular meetings those of us who were developing software we developed the software on ha our own um computers in our, our our own offices in the six different sites and gradually brian brought in ones that weren't kdf9s because i don't think manchester was um, it, Maybe you missed was. You'll have to get. We'll mm -hmm. have to check up on that. Um, and you said 1906 is earlier, so it started out with KDF nine. Sorry, sorry, yeah. it wasn't KDF nines. Sorry, it's. We were all on KDF nines. We were all moving to 1906s. Oh, right. So it moved it somewhere along the lines. We moved into 1906s, and I had a research student. Somebody was doing an MSc called Steve Haig, who was quite capable and um, and bright and personable sort of chap and we wanted somebody who would be based at Nottingham um, because that was obviously where it had started and at that time then the at Nottingham the university lab were quite happy to house to give NAG a home and it was called then the Nottingham algorithms group um, and bring so we would send him code and he would compile it up and put it all together in a in a library um, so I can't remember exactly when Steve started there at Nottingham. But so that's how it, it gradually developed. We all would um, do our own bit, send it forward. Under, and we obviously we had standards that we had to all adhere to. So I, I got initially we must have just 
had meetings and, and written down standards. Um, but uh, and then Steve became responsible for making sure that the standards were all adhered to and that um, um, it was all accessible um, in a standard way mm -hmm. um, by different people. Mm -hmm. So. Um, and what, what were the meetings like? Did, how many days was it? Just oh, just a, just a day. Yeah. I would. I would drive in the old. This is I can remember going from Liverpool. Um, we had an old, la, uh, old, very old Ford van, and I remember having quite a few experiences on the road with it. You know, like uh, flat tyres and running out of uh, petrol because the, um, the the gauge didn't work in the mid. You know, late at night on the way home. Um, so yes, we tip up at. Uh, sometimes we'd stay over at Brian Ford's. He was very, very hospitable and. Um, but usually it would be a long day. Um, but we all wanted it to work. Mm, mm. So there was a huge amount of um, cooperation and comradery and everybody really trying to, uh, mm. to, really trying to make it, make and, it and work. Do you, you met Linda and, and Joan yes. at those meetings. meetings Was yes. that the first time you'd, you'd met Oh, them? yes, yes. yes. Um, and then in, I think it was 72, by this time... I can't remember exactly when Nottingham, there started to be a few politics in Nottingham that they didn't like housing this project. It was taking up too much of their facilities and, and so on. And so Brian had to sort of go out into the world and negotiate where, who could take it on. And uh, luckily, um, Leslie Fox at um, Oxford agreed to um, to give it a home. Um, and at first, I think they just had sort of rooms, um, Brian would tell you this, Linda would know better, mm. um, just in somewhere in the computer lab mm, mm. Um, at Oxford. And so meetings started to be there. Now, I can't remember when, but we certainly started talking to people abroad, or Brian did. And Brian and... Um, oh, gosh, I can't remember. John... Pratt? I can't remember his name, but I remember his face. I'm not very good on names. And Linda and I went to various person, places around the States um, talking about libraries, trying to find out what other people were doing, um, just generally... Um, sort of broadening our experience and trying to find out what was happening elsewhere and who else might want to be involved. And I think at this stage, Brian had got quite a long way with the Argonne National Laboratory in Chicago. And um, another Brian, Brian Smith, who is still involved in NAG, um, became um, very involved as well. Um, but we certainly stayed there in, uh, in Chicago and we went to... We met some very interesting people. We went to te Texas. I went to Aust I went to Austin. I think I went there on my own. Um, we went to we went to um, uh, San Francisco. Um, oh, what's the university called? No, I'm San Francisco. Yes, the one on the other side of the bay. Berkeley. Berkeley. Yes. Um, so the start of Silicon Valley was sort of you know, and we were at Berkeley and uh, visiting people there. So fascinating um, experience and um, just sort of widening our scope and uh, our experience to see what was 
what could be done and mm. exchanging ideas with people. I'm interested in asking at this point, it may come up at other points, um, was, was your gender something you were aware of? Did, did, did well, being female? Yes. Oh, it was a big advantage. So it was were, always an advantage. Yes, but you, I, were, I, but you were in a minority. I mean, you, yes, with all very these much meetings so. in the states and so on. Did yes. you come across any other women or many other women? Well, oh, Linda was there most of the time, but yes, no, the, uh, no. Yeah. Um, sometimes, yes, one or two, once, twice. Mm. Yes, but I never found it. Never have found it a disadvantage. Mm, yeah. And I'm afraid I, you know, I can't quite. I do have sympathies with, you know, pe women who do get bullied and harassed and so on, but. We dealt with it, mm. um, and uh, it wasn't an issue, um, never. Uh, at school, it was great because I was the only one doing maths, and I had a fantastic maths teacher mm -hmm. um, who just helped me. Um, and then at university, um, I had a lovely professor who was great, even when I was miserable at the beginning. Mm -hmm. you know, um, and then, crikey, I got a, you know, I got a lectureship. I was 23. Yes, yes. Um, and now it was against men to get that, mm. but you, you can use your gender, not in a you know not in a, a sexual way, but you can use it. Mm. You can just I don't you don't manipulate, but you can just get on with people. Yeah, yeah. Um, so no, I never found it an issue. Um, I was just uh, I was just me and um, could get along with most people um, as long as we weren't too highbrow. Um, and um, enjoy what I was doing, mm, mm. Mm, make the most of what opportunities, and I was very fortunate. I had so many, mm -hmm, mm. so many. And I think part of that was because people were beginning to think, oh, yes, it's quite um, interesting having a woman. Let's see what they can do. Mm, you know, so, mm, yeah, mm. all right, let's, I'll try and show them what I can do. And obviously there had been women in the early days of computing. Yes, They tended yes. to be appointed at rather junior levels. It was mm. seen as a clerical kind of thing to do. Keep yes, and, and, and punching and that kind of. Thing. Well, yes, yes, there were, and uh, yes, in the in the lab, the the operators. There were several women operators yes, at Leeds when I started there. Yeah. Yes, and in Oxford, Leslie Fox, when he was setting up the lab, yes. specified uh, three non graduate girl computers. Yes. That's what, that's yes. what the specification was yes. before they were even appointed. Because you're more, they're often much more meticulous and that's just the way they are. It's just the mindset, isn't it? It's so uh, we are more, females are generally more meticulous um, in, and men go for the, the next thing on and move on. It's uh, just a different, uh, generally, but there's a lot of... Uh, lot of uh, contradictions to that, yes, um, yes. obviously. And overlap. Yes, yes and yes. overlap, yes. huge overlap, yes, yes. yes. So, so back to your, your tour of yes. America, so what was the outcome of that? Um, I think more col collaboration in the States and Brian was really um, getting more interest in the, the universities in the States of, of um, taking, the, taking the library on, you know, so we were moving to different platforms and um, I didn't have a lot to do with that, but we did go back in 74. I went back, he went back a lot, but I went back in 74 um, for a month at Argonne, at Chicago. Um, just we working with people there and having lots of tutorials and seminars and exchanging ideas. And, and I can't remember anything in particular. All the time we were progressing the, the product. Um, um, very exciting times. 
And what was the nature of the organisation at that stage? It was always a charitable. I think when it went to Oxford, it became a charitable organisation. It, it, it's um, members and we are... Um, it's a company limited by guarantee, isn't it? It was So everybody who was involved from the start, the six of us and then the others who came on, um, <coughs> could join <coughs> and... Um, They've become part of the of the membership, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you've remained part of the membership. Yes. Yes. yes, yes, yes. Although I don't have anything at all to do with it now, except I did go to the the twenty fifth extravaganza, or, or a few different ones that we've had over the years. But uh, but that's it. I don't really know anybody in um, in the office anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and have you kept in touch <coughs> with, with Linda or, or not really? No, 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 no. Just Brian. Joan. Just Brian. Brian. Yeah. Yes. So he's the, oh, who he's I? The linchpin. <laughs> he's the linchpin. Yes. yes. So I've always kept in touch with him. Christmas letters, and we see him once every two or three years. Mm. But I haven't haven't seen him for since his wife died, which is probably eight, mm. might be two two and a half years now. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, Life, my life got very, very busy in other directions, you know. So there's a limit to how much you can keep on in a meaningful way. Mm, so, mm. Um, so you were at Liverpool, yes, recapping, yes, as a as a lecturer still. I had a year as a, le- in a as a lecturer in the computer science department, and then I got um, a job as uh, in I thought it was. I don't know what my title was in the in the computer lab anyway um applications maybe i was i was head of applications or something like that and was that a computing service yes 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 so the science yes yes it was a computing service yes yes just in its own building yep. new building separate from um uh jim alty was um the uh, in charge of uh, in charge of that um and and that was about helping people around the university supporting supply, supplying the library and supporting the library and i did i did do some lecturing there but not not a lot mm-hmm. um uh, couple did, of lectures did, were there training you know sort of basic <coughs> training programs in how to use computer software oh yes yes, yes yes oh yes um there were um there would be for the engineers and so on and there must have been in the computer science department and I would have done the odd lecture Mm. on different on minimization or different topics like that Mm -hmm. um, there so I was responsible for making sure that the applications were all there and um, the library were you know libraries were up and running and carrying so on developing that. Library no, yes. it would there would be SPSS, there was oh, NAG, right, you yes, know, so yes. it would be that, but mostly NAG, mm. on um, and supporting uh, anybody who came with queer, you know, problems couldn't use things. But I, I working on NAG. Mm-hmm. Um, so all the universities were funding um, various parts of it, so it was continually, continually growing. So mm. I would be continually going to meetings from Liverpool, mm-hmm. then to Oxford. Mm, mm. Um, and then in 76, I uh, I got pregnant with my first daughter, first child, and um, I decided, oh, I'd had enough of academic life. I was getting rather bored of having 
to teach the same thing. I think I'd done seven years of lecturing the same thing and um, I was just finding it rather repetitive and I didn't really want to go on doing that all my life. So I thought, right, I'm just and going you, you to give up. And you hadn't been doing any research of your own? In I had a bit, but not really, no. Mm -hmm. um, no, not really. Only in developing algorithms, not um, in NAG. Not, um, no, I'm not a, I'm... Um, so I had uh, um, about three or four months off having Emily and then I came back um, just to manage the documentation at the in the computer lab, a much lower key and easier and uh, part-time and um, that was again, that was the documentation for NAG and the documentation in, inside the university. Um, <clears throat> and that was so I still had the involvement um, in NAG um, but at the same time then I started um, to work uh, on uh, projects for um, a group of people it was the professor and a couple of people in the lab who had set up a business um, and they were doing consultancy to various firms and I got involved in doing some of the programming for that and that was all at the time of um, early early days of um, Royal Mail applying postcodes putting postcodes on um, addresses and the uh, Jim Alty who was in charge of, uh, of the lab and who was the head person in the consultancy um, had got a contract with Reader's Digest to contact everybody in North Wales because they were just going to, um, they were having the referendum on wet or dry Sundays and he wanted to contact everybody on behalf of the breweries <laughs> and say, um, why don't you, um, you know, say yes, it's okay. And uh, so they were very in getting very involved and, and Reader's Digest of course were quite involved in this as well on using the postcode to um, generate addresses to um, be able to uh, market um, and uh, so the, 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 that was what they were um, these three people in the computer lab were doing and I was just doing a bit of programming for them and then um, one of the people who is now my husband um, left the university to join um, a, a mail order company in Liverpool um, called McIntyre's and this was run by um, a very um, eccentric clever um, person called um, Terry Terry oh gosh that's bad I'll have to remember you'll have to splice that in I think <laughs> Lipson oh, who was really really um, oh a real ideas man and he would come up with a new idea for uh, helping uh, Littlewoods to uh, run this um, their mail order system their, all their mail order department, you know, and he'd get a contract with them to do that. And I started doing programming for that and then for them. 
on a contracting basis. And um, I decided that after I'd had my second baby that I really couldn't go back to the university anymore and I would just do this contracting work. So, can I have a pause? <laughs> yeah. So it was more of the the same thing, but it was instead of programming and minimising um, mathematical problems, I was analysing um, real life situations and um, applying code to them. So I was doing all the um, analysis, uh, but this was more systems analysis. So I would find out what everybody wanted to do and what they wanted from it, and I would end up um, then coding it. And mm. this was in obviously in um, business languages and so on. So I moved from mathematical languages, Fortran, Algol, and so on, to um, to COBOL and other um, business languages. Um, but that's just the 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 way you express the ideas. Mm. Is uh, mm. um, the ideas, the basic ideas of analysing your problem and coming up with a solution are still the same. Um, so uh, I did that for, um, I did all the subcontracting for this, um, for Terry Lipson and McIntyre's, and we did all sorts of different projects. He would come up with a brilliant idea for um, oh, doing A, B or C, I can't remember them all now. They, they changed every six months and we would get all this, um, Bob and I, my, now my husband, would get all this working and um, ready to go to market and he would have another idea and he never actually sold it you know so it was very frustrating so in the end Bob and I decided we'd set up our own company and we'd develop our own software which we would sell mm, <laughs> mm. Um, and always in the background there was the um, mailing side yes um, that was really important um, but we did in the early days we started the business in 1980 in the early days we did um, systems for renting out um, televisions because um, a lot of retail shops then rented out televisions you didn't buy it you rented the television and that was sort of address processing mm -hmm. in there because we had to keep everybody's name and address so it was with databases but we also did systems for bending steel bars in the building trade and um, all sorts of odd odd things um, but gradually we started to home in on mailing and got involved in um, building um, software to um, sort mail for large-ish customers, people who were mailing 4,000 items. Mm. And Royal Mail, instead of up till then, had had sort of various incentives for companies to... Uh, get a uh, reduction in their costs uh, for sorting, pre-sorting the mail. And it was different in every, every city, in every sorting office. And Royal Mail set up a standard, a, um, a countrywide standard called MailSort. And so we wrote the software for that. We collaborated with Royal Mail, um, got the, all the tables from them and built the software. Bob had been, he'd been at Oxford doing, done maths, but he'd, he'd done, then he'd gone to Kidsgrove for ICL and written compilers and so on. So he was really good at encoding all this. And I was better at the, um, the human interface side. Um, so we started writing and, and um, marketing mail sort software. Um, and then we got involved uh, with somebody else because we kept thinking there is such a market for postcoding, for applying postcodes to addresses. 
um, because all these people have these addresses, but they don't get a good rebate because they weren't getting good rebates from Royal Mail when they posted stuff because uh, it wasn't the the postcode was missing off the address. And in those days, in the early 80s, people didn't know their postcodes very often because they'd lived at the house long enough and you know so what the mail got delivered it didn't need a postcode it's quite different from now and um and so we we thought well if we uh if people send us a file of addresses um a list of addresses that we can we can look at this dress and say ah well the postcode is actually and apply the postcode mm. it's very very detailed um you have to you really have to build very clever searching algorithms to be able to do that because for instance you know 57 high street boston links is not very different from 57 high street bolton lanks there's only two letters different and they're completely different parts of the country and cherry tree lane which has been taken down by somebody over the phone is quite similar to cherry tree lane charity lane and you've got to be able to work out what it actually is. Mm. And, and you have to match phonetically as well as matching accurately. And people can't spell. Um, and who can spell, like round here, Chumley? You know, it's Cholmondeley <laughs> and so on. So um, we realised that there was, there was a lot of... Uh, it was a very, very difficult problem to solve, but we could do it. So... About the same time, we met somebody else who was really looking the other way round and saying, but actually, if I give you a postcode, wouldn't it be nice if you could then give me back the address? Just like you get in your pop-up box now when you order anything online. Mm. Um, and Royal Mail were getting quite, were quite interested in that idea. So we put the two things together and set up another company um, with this other chap. And... Um, so I didn't ask you before what the previous company was The previous called. custom was called Border Business Systems oh, right, because we're right. on the border. Yes. <laughs> and um, Bob at the time was living in a house called Border House. So we got premises in the village and called it Border House. Mm -hmm. um, so it was Border Business Systems. Mm -hmm. And we did all sorts of business systems. But then we got on to, uh, as I, said, in a, I can't remember, in the late, more late 80s. So a bit BBS as we call it, Border Business Systems, BBS, was very successful. Mm. Um, but we set up this other company with this other person called Paul Chapman, who, um, and that was, we called that GB, because he was called, he had a company called Greens, and we were B for Border, so it was GB. But we were, we called it GB Mailing Systems, because we were applying postcodes or getting addresses for GB. So um, we set that up and that became very big and um, that is uh, that floated ultimately. Um, so we sold it and, it, um, and we bought the farm. Mm -hmm. um, Bob stayed on being a director for there for a long time but I stayed back with BBS, the original company, um, and I am still there working <laughs> every day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, and, and how has the nature of the work changed? Because a lot of the things that you've been doing, I mean, the, the internet must have had a big impact on the kind of data analysis that that yes. you need done. Yes, except that um, that's made it 
bigger in a way because um, people's databases of names and addresses have just grown bigger and bigger um, and there's more of it. Do you want to pause for a minute? Sorry. <coughs> yeah, so the internet's yeah. made it bigger. Um, yes, GB I don't have anything really to do with now, but they do a huge uh, processing of um, all sorts of um, name and address sort mm, of mm. data and other things and applying uh, profiles and, and that sort of thing and analysing uh, databases. Um, uh, at BBS, we um, have developed software the whole time, keeping in line with um, Royal Mail's developments on sorting mail. Um, and we are now, the, I dread to say it, but it's, we're their main supplier mm. of, or the main supplier of, it's called Mailmark now, right. software in the, com in the country. Um, we do a lot in collaboration with um, Royal Mail. Um, you know, we, we collaborate with TNT, or sorry, Whistlet as it now is, and um, sell a lot of software mm -hmm. because there, there are a huge number of companies, if you think about it, banks and so on have their, will, and big companies like that will have their own databases and their own way of managing their data, but they all want to mail out bank statements or whatever even now there there is still a huge requirement um for mailing mm, on um, paper on paper yeah. um postcards telling people um that um it, from a retail outfit saying um, there's going to be um, a sale um why not come along bring this card and you'll get 20% off um that sort of that sort of thing and there's nothing quite like sitting down in the evening with a catalogue to look at um, clothes you might want to wear uh, rather than having to search on the internet mm. um, so there still is um, a big market for mailing software mm. um, and all we do is is help people make it more efficient so mm. actually they by using buying our software they save themselves money on the on the postage mm -hmm. So, uh, very successful. We are very, BBS is a very successful company. Mm. Um, got about 20 employees, very small, but um, just a niche, niche product. Mm -hmm. Got an excellent um, sales director who's come in, he was it with GB, and he decided to move over because he liked the, uh, well, the way we run the company. Um, rather better. <laughs> um, hopefully, you know, we've got employees who've been with us for 25 years and more. Um, we've got a look, quite a few new ones as well, mm. younger ones mm. as well. But we're just coming up to 38 years, aren't we? So, um, very satisfying thing to have done, yes, really, to have absolutely. set up something like yeah. that. And do you have any connections in what you might call the sort of wider computing community? Not really no. anymore. No, no, um, no. I'm um, I'm happy here where I am. I came from farming stock, and mm. I've got my farm. <laughs> um, so is it, 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 this is running as a working farm. Well, yes, we grow haylage. We have I have sheep. I've had sheep for forty years. Mm -hmm. um, a few sheep, and now I've, I've still only got. I've back down to 25, just enough to keep me ticking over. But we um, we have other people's sheep coming. 
and graze. Mm -hmm. and How many acres do you have? 250. Oh my goodness, that's mm. quite a lot. Lots of woodland, mm -hmm. planted lots of woodland, planted 14,000 trees, so I've done my bit for posterity there. Mm -hmm. uh, took it over as a failing dairy farm and it's now, um, we've won conservation awards and things. I you know, like to put my bit back into the mm. countryside. Mm. Um, we're very involved in the local hunt. Um, my daughter, so we've still got a lot of horses. Because mm. we, you know, we were breeding horses for her to bring on. So um, I'm very much more involved with the, the farm and the local community and uh, secretary of the local pony club. Mm. So um, how many hours do you reckon you put into the business now? Oh, um, it's probably only 10, 15 a week. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's all I do there is I've got one or two clients that I manage that I always have um, uh, because they want far rather more complex things and that keeps me interested or frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, uh, just overall making sure that it's ticking over and supporting the people who are running it on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, I've got a, a lovely uh, lady who's trained as a... Um, uh, an accountant, um, she's a chartered accountant, and she runs it. She's part time, half days, uh, but she runs all the, um, you know, the jobs that come in and sets them up and makes sure that everything's tickety boo. And um, so that's a great relief having somebody very capable, mm. thinks the same way as I do, mm. same mindset. You know, basically, eye to detail. We we pride ourselves in being um, taking care of our customers and doing things properly down really dotting I's and crossing T's. And a lot of companies don't do that anymore. So that's why we're very successful. I'm sure because people mm. can trust us mm. to do it properly, um, especially in the days of GDPR. And we've... I wasn't going to mention it, but you mentioned it. Yes, well, <laughs> headache that it is. Yeah. It, needs dealing, it needs treating with, um, uh, not respect, um, and um, part of the problem, I think, is computers because they make it so easy to make things more complicated. <laughs> um, yeah. And people can't see then the wood for the trees um, because it is easy. You know, I can remember lecturing in the 60s, late 60s, I did some night school lecturing, lecturing about the paperless office. And it's worse now than ever um, because that revolution hasn't happened because you can press a button and produce 20 copies just like that. Mm, mm. Um, and then edit something and produce a slightly different copy. But uh, we're not going to change that in a hurry. No. <laughs> and have you ever been asked or thought of giving talks to girls about why doing maths is a good idea? No. No. Not really. Because you're such a brilliant example. <laughs> yes. Yes. I suppose I've just never been in quite the right place at the right time. Mm. Um, or the right friends, you know, who might be in that sort of position to do it. Mm. Mm. But it's yes, it's something I could do. Yes, because I quite like to. I quite like it. Yes, I mean, I've got yes. Contacts yes. who I could put you in touch with. Yes. Very, have you ever come across? Super, you know, I'm probably not not so uh, switched on to networking, and certainly not networking networking in uh, the modern. Mm computer sense yes, at yes, all yes. Um, maybe you know I'm just a little bit beyond beyond that 
Although obviously I do use computers extensively mm. and I've mm. just got, <laughs> had, to, had to move to Windows 10 and it's driven me nuts, but, but I'm there. Um, yes. Um, interesting um, the way your life develops and you don't really. It's a, a set of accidents. Mm. Mm. But, but always take, it's, it's actually, but it's having the guts to take the risk, having yes. the guts to, I had a lectureship, that was tenure for mm. life, mm. and just say, oh, I've had enough of that, it really isn't me anymore, mm. I'll carry on with the bits I like, like yes. NAG, for the time being, and I'll do the, I'll do some consultancy and see how, how that goes, mm. um, but, um, and then having having the the guts to uh, set up a business, you know, which is quite quite a risky quite a risky thing. Um, so I suppose I've always I'm very lucky. I've always been a confident person, and mm. that comes down to genes and nurture mm -hmm. very much, mm, doesn't mm, it? That mm, yeah. um, and I've been lucky in that I've been fairly successful um, in most of the things I've tried. Um, but uh, I think that's the message, isn't it? You've got to, you've got to have the confidence to go on, um, and it's easy to have doubts. Um, hmm. I think yeah. that's fine. <laughs>